haven't used this Bible in a very, very long time. Like, don't worry, I do read the Bible. Um, <laughs> so normally, normally I read the Bible on my phone, okay? And I've got this kind of a, quite an elaborate, like, devotional thing that goes through different chapters in the Bible. It kind of chops and changes between them in all different places. Um, so it can be challenging to do it with this, you know? So I just kind of put it on version. I put like the audio Bible on and I just listen for however long it takes and let it really like wash over me, you know, as I'm getting ready for work, that kind of thing. And then the beginning of the week, I was on the bus and I was reading a book on the way to work, uh, in like the 20 minute bus ride, 30 minute bus ride. And I finished the book and the next day I was like, you know what, when I got out the front door, I was like, let me take my Bible with me, like the, the actual Bible, like the one that has someone wrote in, you know, um, and I started reading that on the bus, and there's something so different, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, I don't know what they do to these Bibles, if they lay hands and pray on them or something, but there's something so different about opening an actual Bible and sitting down with the Bible. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, this is how I do my devotion on my phone. But I don't want to, I don't really want to do that anymore. Like, I would like to start going back to the Word of God, like, in the Bible, like, for, with the actual paper, you know, without the notifications and the WhatsApps and me checking the time constantly to see, like, how long it's gone, like, to just be locked away with the Lord, with His Word. And there's something I was thinking about recently, you know, it's like the whole world is geared towards bite-sized, like little bits of information. Like TikTok has taken the world by storm. Like everyone is an influencer. Everyone is TikToking. Uh, my mother-in-law, she got a new phone recently. So she started taking videos of herself. And like, we're like, okay, you are steps away from becoming an influencer. And like opening a TikTok like channel and doing that whole thing, you know? And TikTok is like, I mean, if you look at Twitter as well, it's like seconds, like bite-sized information like this. And our flesh loves that. It just craves that, like just little bits the whole time get me going, you know. And we were talking about it in the prayer meeting before. We are currently living in eternity. Eternity isn't one day when you die. Like you are living in eternity right now. But the reality is, the Grim Reaper is marching towards you with a sickle every day. Like, that's how time works. You know, we're all going to die. Well, unless we, unless the Lord comes and we kind of just transition like that. I don't know how that whole thing works. But we're all going to probably die. Like, life ends with death, okay? And with the world, that's a terrifying thought. Like, that's a disaster. So it's like squeeze as much as you can out of every second and every second is important to like just be occupied and distracted the whole time because when you're alone in your bed at night and you start thinking about your life and how disappointed you are and how much you wish things were different, you know, you try and numb that pain, numb that away with the distractions of this world. Reality is, is you and I are, are here. We don't need to do that. We can actually, like Eddie was saying early on, pause. We can say, you know what? Time isn't really a real thing. 
I'm living in eternity. I'm right now, I can live with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can live with Him. And I know the feeling of when it's like, it's like, it's there. Like you can feel the machinery of the world. You can feel it at the door, like calling you, like you've got things to do. There's people to see, stuff, there's life that needs to take place, all your agendas, all your things. But at the same time, God, every single day, is welcoming you. And he's saying, why don't you come spend some time with me? Why don't you come in here for me in eternity? I've got things that I want to speak from heaven to your heart. To take you out of that, that kind of time zone into a different time zone. The time zone of the kingdom. So, the beginning of the week, um, I've had Daniel in my heart for a while. It was actually because of David when we were on Monday when we were praying. And you mentioned Daniel. I actually don't even remember what you prayed about with Daniel, but you probably don't remember either. No, it um, doesn't matter. But you mentioned Daniel, and it was like just brewing in my heart, you know. And just after that, I was like, Eddie, I think I know what I want to speak about, what the Lord wants to speak about on Sunday. So um, I'm going to just try and find Daniel in my Bible, people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Daniel, where are there you are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you want to pull it up so long? Thanks. So we all kind of know Daniel. Um, and if there had to be a title of this message, it would probably be something like Power, Purity, and Babylon. Uh, okay, let's just do this. It's the same, same thing, same thing, same translation. Okay, so we kind of, if you haven't, if you don't, haven't read the story of Daniel or like the account of Daniel, incredible. Daniel is in Babylon with, let's call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because Let's face it, not many of us actually know what their, their Hebrew names are, unfortunately. Um, so, yes, they're in Babylon. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, calls them and he's like, get these Hebrew guys and teach them things about Babylon. Teach them the wisdom of the kingdom. I want you to train them so that they can be useful in the kingdom, okay? And he's like, I want you to feed them on like the meat that comes from the, the table of the king, like this like royal food, you know, and the wine that comes from the king, like wow, like pristine level cuisine, like amazing food, okay? And, but Daniel says this, and I love this, he says, it says here, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel's like, listen, I have made a choice in my heart. No one has told me to do this. No one came to me and said, you should do this. He said inside his own heart, like he decided, he made a decision God is there, and I want to please God rather than please man. And, I mean, like, the whole kingdom is, like, everyone is, like, eating from this table, and it's, like, seems like, I mean, what are you doing, Daniel? Like, this is the right thing to do. This is amazing. Why would you skip out on this, you know? But Daniel decides, like, this is what I want to do because I want to I, I honor 
my God, I want to please God. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So first Daniel chooses, Daniel chooses, I want to honor God rather than honor man. The next step, God meets Daniel and he says, now God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Okay, next one. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would uh, endanger my head before the king. Let's keep going. (coughs) So Daniel said to the steward, uh, who the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So there's their names. That's what their names are. Okay. Uh, Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. That's like a crash diet, eh? Like, you, oh, wow, you're going to see a change in someone's physical appearance after 10 days of changing the way you eat? Like, crazy, okay. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God, I love this, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Let's keep going. And now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, all right? Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, about which the king examined them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. That's crazy. Like, what is going on there? The logic doesn't make any sense. So they had a so-called inferior diet to the guys around them. And yet they were fatter and healthier looking. And God himself gave them wisdom, knowledge. He gave that to them. They didn't go to a university to study hard for this, and they were the brightest and the geniuses and the prodigals and like the next big thing. No, that came from heaven to the point where 10 times more than the best astrologers of the time that were serving under the king, they knew the wisdom and knowledge and understanding, 10 times more. And this is applicable for you and I, not in church here, but in your literal day-to-day life. When your boss says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and everyone around you has got their way of doing it, and God says to you, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to come to me. 
and let me be. And I want you to trust me. So this is the crazy thing. Is this is the Bible, okay? And I'm going to ask you this question. What do you believe about this book? You believe everything, okay? When this book says that this is the word of God that has been breathed out by the Holy Spirit, written by men, do you believe that? Okay. So do you believe that everything in this book, that there's no, there's no mistakes, errors, that this is like it says here, holy, it's separate, Okay, that this is a supernatural book. Do you really believe that? So I've got a, a tough question for you now. So if that's true, okay, and I'm going to address this question at myself first, and I'm with you in this. So I don't want you to get offended. Okay? So if that's true, and everything that this book says is true, and it's, it matters for today, for your life. Why is it that our lives look the way that they do? Why is that? Like, this is a heartbreaking thing. I, I believe the same with you. I believe, yes, God breathed this out. This is literally the most important book that has ever been written. Okay? And this book is relevant for today. But the reality is, I also believe other things. I believe that this is boring at times. I believe that there's more entertaining things than reading the Bible and hearing from God. Okay? I believe sometimes this is extremely difficult and there's only certain people that might get some understanding out of this or that it's irrelevant for my life. It's talking about people that died a long time ago. So I hold these beliefs together at the same time. And I was asking God, saying, Lord, I don't understand this. Thousands of years ago, there were Christians, and they believed this to the point that they were willing to give their lives for it. Am I willing to do that? Really? And this is something that's very important, okay? Like, this is the takeaway from today, the rest of the week. When was the last time you examined what you believe because I can say that I believe something but the reality is my life will tell you what I believe I don't need to say anything someone that truly believes that Jesus Christ is alive right now and that their lives are hidden with God you can see it in their lives it affects everything everything about them okay and there's a way that we can deal with this I was asking God, I was like, Lord, I don't understand. What is, th what is this thing? So, if you can go to Mark 9, verse 14 to 24. So, we're in this together. We're in a bit of a pickle, you and I, okay? And that's okay. It's okay. The important thing is this, is that today, that you are honest with yourself. And that you honest before God, because that's the only way that things can change. There's no other way. If you and I say everything is okay, then you're going to go out the door the same way that you came in. Everything's going to stay the same. It's only when you say, man, who 
things aren't actually the way that I say that they are. Really giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to come in and do a work inside your heart. Okay. So Mark 9, 14 to 24. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw, so Jesus is on a mountain and he comes down from this mountain after the transfiguration and he meets this, this boy. Um, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some uh, teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this going, going, what is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his, the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, like this is gentle Jesus, okay, loving and kind, he says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long? Now Jesus doesn't panic and run to the child. He asks the dad a question. How long has this been happening? That, I'm just think of that for a moment. Like if one of us had to fall on the ground here and like start freaking out and writhing around, the natural reaction is to run there and go and deal with it. And Jesus doesn't do that. He turns to the father and he's like, how long has this been happening? Like, Wow. Jesus asked the boy's father, and the boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now, I just want you to, for a moment, think about this. This father, just think about this, how this father loved the son. Think if this is your child, and this was happening, and you didn't know what to do. You had no idea. And this just happens, it starts happening, and you've tried everything, and you can't fix it. You don't know what to do, okay? Jesus asked the boy's father, and he replied, since, okay? And then it says, since he was a little boy trying to kill him, have mercy and help us if you can. And then Jesus says this, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Do you see how the father, he had belief and unbelief at the exact same time? So that says that believing or unbelief is not not believing. That's not what that is. You and I believe that this is the word of God. You and I believe that this is powerful and can transform your life. But then why is it that I don't read the Bible? Why is it that I don't love the Bible? I don't love the Word of God. I don't even enjoy reading it. Why is that? Because I also believe that there are things more important than this. Like what I'm going to have for breakfast or, you know, if I've caught up on my latest series or things like that. It's more important than this. 
So I'm holding two beliefs at the same time. This guy was honest. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Okay? So let's go to James 1, verse 5 to 8. This isn't a once-off incident. This, the, the Bible is lovely in that it is bulletproof. It really is bulletproof. Okay, so let's look at some more of this. If any of you lacks wisdom, like Daniel and his friends did, okay, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's quite intense. That's not very like fluffy and warm, you know, but that's the reality. The lovely thing about it is when you go to the doctor and you are sick, they actually tell you how bad it is, and then they give you medicine. If you just had to go and find out by yourself and just take a, like a panado if you've got a headache, and it, you just keep having headaches, you keep taking panados, like everything's going to be okay. And then you go to the doctor and he's like, listen, you actually have a brain tumor. Like you need, you need surgery. It's going to cost you like two million rand. Um, your insurance is going to cover like 80% of it, but this is your life on the line. Like, hey, listen, I'll sell my house. I'll do whatever I need to do to get that solved, that problem solved. But unless you go to the doctor with that problem, it's going to stay there and it's going to get worse. So today I'm going to ask you some questions, hard questions. This double-mindedness, this thing of like, I believe one thing with one foot here, another thing here. I believe that we sh I should share the gospel with people, but I also believe that they're going to reject me. And I believe that the power of God, is, God's word isn't actually powerful enough and that people don't care about God. They don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to. That's what I believe. So that prevents me from speaking to people about Jesus. I think it's extremely important and I'm, I'm so conflicted in my heart because I believe two things at the same time. How do I deal with this? Confess unbelief as a sin. That sounds harsh, eh? But the reality is the Lord says, if you confess your sins to me, I won't just forgive you, but I'll cleanse you. How crazy is that? He won't just forgive us and say, okay, cool. I'll see you next week. You're going to carry on doing the same thing. He says that he will wash us clean. He will change us. I think a lot of times we stay the same because we try and pretend to ourselves that everything is okay. If we would just take those things, why is it that I can't pray? And I can't say to God, God, I don't enjoy reading your word. God, I find it boring. I don't understand half of what I read. Why can't I pray? Why don't I pray like that? That's, that's reality. That's how I should pray. That's, that's, that's reality. It's the truth. So Mark 7, 13 says this. And so you cancel 
the Word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among any others. Jesus Christ said this. Andrew says this often, that the traditions of man nullify the Word of God. It takes away the power of the Word. Can you imagine that we can actually do that by our own traditions? And we can think traditions like customs, culture. I want to say to you, tradition can be like, after work, I get home and I put on the TV and I zone out because I'm tired and I need a break. That can be a tradition, okay? And it can literally strangle the Word of God and its power in your life. Traditions of man are not some distant, distant thing of your grandparents. It's something that you do every single day. So I'm going to ask you, what are the, your traditions? I need this. This is one of, one of mine. I want to sleep late. Oh, man, I deserve to sleep late. It's, I've got a baby. You know, I've been working late. Oh, man, I'll get to the Word of God like later. It's fine. That's a tradition. And that it starts working against God and His power to change my life and bring me into alignment with the Holy Spirit. It starts working against that. What are the traditions in your life that are actually fighting against God? Another one is unbelief doesn't rest. Luke talked about this, I think it was last week when he was talking about rest. He actually ended on this. So, and we were talking afterwards and it was like that topic of rest is so big and deep and broad and wide and powerful and life-changing, okay? Hebrews 3 verse 18 to 19 says this, and to whom was God speaking? And I love that you actually shared this, Christine. It's such a confirmation. You shared this early on about the promised land. And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. The Israelites, when they came to the promised land, they had literally seen God destroy Egypt. They had heard these stories. They'd seen crazy things happen. They'd seen the Red Sea parted. At the same time that they're holding this belief that God can do this, they're also holding this belief that there are giants there. And they're going to crush us. So they had this unbelief, and that literally prevented them from entering into the promises of God. Now, I want you to think of this. There is an attitude that I can have towards the Word of God. Yes, it's great. Or I'll give you an example. I can come to church on a Sunday. I can say, yes, church is important. God is important. He's alive, and He's living, and I worship Him, and I love Him. But church is only on a Sunday. That's what church is in my, that's, that's my belief about church. It's only on a Sunday. And God is there, yes, but He doesn't really care about my life doesn't really have a plan for my life. I make my own plan for my life, okay? And what happens then is when you come to church on a Sunday, you'd be like super spiritual, yes, cool, we're all together, we're in this. But the rest of the week, you live how you want to live. You live whatever you feel like is the right thing to do. If I say church isn't just on a Sunday, but church is this, it's you and I, it's my family, it's that moment when we together, that's church. It's something so much bigger and broader. 
and richer. And God is concerned with everything about my life. And he's got a, a plan, a detailed plan for every moment of my life. He's got this one way, this perfect way that he has for me to walk in. Like Maria was saying earlier on, this thing of like the finer details of God. That he's got this for my everyday, for my Wednesday. And I go and I'm like, God, I want to listen to what you have to say about Wednesday at work. Then what happens is you start living like that as a Christian all the time. Not just on a Sunday. You start giving your time over to God. You start giving your life to him and he starts living through you. So I love this. If you ever get bored of the word of God, read Psalm 119. It'll start a fire inside you again. Like I really can guarantee that. It's such a beautiful kind of like ode to the word of God. So I'm going to read just a little bit to you. So this is, what, this is how David, when he thought of God's word and he had to describe it, this is what he would say, okay? Be good to your servants that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. David says he's a foreigner in the land, and he's running from Saul, okay? He doesn't say, uh, God, I need an oasis. God, can't I just get a break? Like, this is so tiring and annoying. God, I would just love, like, uh, you know, just a nice warm meal and peace. Like, no. He says, God, I crave your word. I need your word. That's more than anything. I need to hear you speaking to my heart. This is what I need. Okay, I'm only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I am always overwhelmed with the desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I have obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. While people, while it's going crazy at work, while the neighbor's having a massive party, David's like, this is what's going on. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to consider God. I'm going to just think about him and what he has, what he says, what he has to say. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. I lie. I love this. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. Another translation says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Don't bring water. Revive me according to your word, God. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. And I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Wow. I don't need a break from life. I need God's word. That's what I actually need. I don't need my circumstances to change. I need God to speak into my heart. I need to hear from the king. That's what I need. I weep with sorrow. Okay. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands. For you expand my understanding.
David is like, God, I'm going to run. Whatever you say, that's what I want. I want to hear your word. It's more important to me than anything else is what you have to say, God. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses. Psalm 119, verse 45, it says this. So I did this study on Psalms a while back. Psalm 119, especially. So it's this incredible poem, okay? It's like, liter- like people that are like literary professors. They marvel at the way that Psalm 119 is written. It's an incredible work of art, okay? It is powerful. I think there's eight different, like, words there that describe the word of God and his commands, his testimonies, and all of them have meaning, very specific meaning, okay? This one, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Other translations will say, I walk in freedom because I have sought your precepts, looked after your precepts, okay? That word precepts, to give you an understanding of what that means, it's like the finer details of the way that God has created this universe and designed all things. His finer commands. Like Eddie mentioned, when David said, oh, that I could have that water of the, what is it, the Jordan? Bethlehem. If, oh, I could have the water of Bethlehem. He just mentioned that in passing. He just, it was like a throwaway statement. It was this longing of his heart. But the mighty men of David, it wasn't a throwaway statement for them. For them, it was like the king has whispered. And to me, that's a mighty rushing wind. And I will run with that. It's David says here, because I, have, I can walk in freedom and in liberty, in wide open spaces, because I have sought you, your voice, God, the small faint whispers of your heart. That's what I'm, I'm listening intently for, th- for that. I'm not looking for the rough, big, easy to understand base commandments. I'm looking for God, what is, what is the finer flavors of your heart? What is really on your mind? What do you care about? And because of that, I'm finding this beautiful golden highway of freedom, okay? Now let's bring that into the New Testament. So um, Andrew shared this incredible message at like this elders training time. And he was talking about the word of God. And he was saying, mentioning that for a season as Josh Jen, that we would, this is quite a big thing to say. And it's, and it's profound that we would stop listening to outside voices. And I mean like, hey, I've like, you know how I normally would prepare before, how I prepare messages. I would go like have a few teachers that are like, in my mind, solid, good commentary. Do you know how I prepared this message? The Lord said to me, don't you dare, Joshua. You go spend time in my word and pray, and that's it. That's all I want you to do, okay? The same as Daniel. He chose to do something, just eat vegetables and drink water when this like meat and wine was offered to him. And God blessed that incredibly. Daniel chose to honor God and God honored Daniel, okay? So 
I'm going to encourage you. This could literally be the best season of your life by doing what Andrew asked us to do. Coming back to the word of God and the teaching of the apostles and the leaders in the church. You could find so much life breaking out around you because you, you decide, you choose to do that. Whether it makes sense to you logically or not. Okay? There could be amazing other teachings out there with people that are professors that understand the word. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You have the Holy Spirit. And you have the leaders in the church. You can yourself go to the word of God and he will give you gold. Gold. Okay? So I'm going to give you something from um, the New Testament. And then, then Andrew talked about, you could hear from the message, it was this thing of living life wholeheartedly, passionately. If you're going to do something, do it well. Do it properly. You know, don't live half-heartedly in everything that you do. If you can't do it with everything inside you, then don't do it. Why do it? Live as an act of worship to God. Work as an act of worship. Have relationships that are an act of worship to God. That are done as unto Him, okay? And Paul says this, Romans 12, verse 6 to 16. So he says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, okay? He doesn't just say God has given us certain different gifts. He says for doing things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously, okay? If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love people. Really love them. I love this. this I love this. It says, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delights in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Do you hear not just Paul's words, but do you hear his heart? This man gave his life, his life, entire life as a living sacrifice to God. He gave it all. He gave it up, everything. He said, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. I am dead. My life is now hidden with Jesus Christ. Only when Jesus comes will I see what my life really looks like. Okay? I'm going to ask you, are you dead to yourself, your own purpose, your own life? 
your own understanding? Are you dead to what you choose to believe? Okay, and are you alive to Jesus Christ? Are you alive to his purpose? Are you alive to the Holy Spirit, his understanding, what he chooses to do? Are you alive to what God says you should believe? What the Bible says, what the leadership says we should believe? Have I submitted my beliefs, what my opinions are to God? And put it there and said, God, I want you to examine me. Lord, see if there's anything inside me that is actually just of myself. Like I'm just believing rubbish about the Bible, rubbish about prayer. If I really believed that when I pray, I'm speaking to God who gave everything, everything for me out of love. If I really believe that, why don't I believe? I'll tell you why. It's very simple. Because you also believe that you can do things without God. That you can do things in your own ability and it's going to come right. David said, God, my soul is clinging to the dust. Okay? And he wrote Psalms. He was a king. He said, revive me according to your word. He knew that he desperately needed to hear from God. It wasn't a nice to have. It's a must. Jesus woke up early in the morning to spend time with God. Jesus Christ, okay, to spend time with the Father. How much more do we have to do that? And this is the thing. I'm not asking you to work harder, to do things different. If you're hearing that, you're not hearing me, okay? What I'm saying is, the reason why you are living the way you are is because of what you believe. I'm asking you to examine what you truly believe. If you change what you believe, your entire life will change forever. Okay, so that's it. Yeah. Um, this is what I'm thinking, okay? Another thing is, if you, if you are like this guy, sounds like Hitler, and he's saying things here and whatever, and I have no idea what he's talking about, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you've never had a relationship with him, and I sound like a, someone that is telling you to join a cult, okay? If that's, if that's how you hear me right now, I understand, okay? It makes sense. The thing is this, Jesus, he wasn't just then, okay? He died on the cross for your sin. All the bad things that you've done and are still busy doing, he died so that you can be free. He died to pay the price that you and I should have paid. And the Bible says that if you and I, once again, believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and confess with our mouths that he is Lord, that we would be saved. That everything would change. And I've seen it happen like innumerable times, I've seen God do miracles in people's lives by a simple thing of agreeing that Jesus, what you say is true, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to believe that. And God transforms people's lives. So if you are not saved here today, you can literally, your life can forever change right now, today. Not a progress of change, forever change today.
by saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my own beliefs about this world and I'm going to choose to believe what God says. That he loves me, he has forgiveness for me. I just need to come to him and bring all my rubbish, all my dirt, and that he will change and he will transform me. Let me pray.